Hello, welcome to the podcast. So for today's podcast, we have joining us um, Matt Ashby Cooper, our Head of People and Culture. Thank you for joining us, Matt, today. How are you? Good. I'm really good. Yeah. So we have you here today um, as obviously with what's going on, we've, we've been in this lockdown scenario with COVID-19 for, what is it, about three months now? Yeah. Well, end of March that we went into lockdown. And, you know, I think one of the main things that have happened across lots of companies is the move to remote working. With remote working a lot of companies weren't prepared or they haven't really done it to this scale and I don't think you mm-hmm. know many companies have done it to this scale at all um, and I really wanted to focus today on the HR side of things and the people side of things on you know how companies are coping with with this remote working um, and looking into that and obviously it, may, it might be, it make sense to just explain about your experience and why you got into HR and MD. Just so we we know you know what you do and 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 your experience so far before we get into it. Cool. Um, so I fell into HR and learning and development. Um, I'd worked in retail for a number of years and was asked when I was at Selfridges to um, take on a training role, uh, which I did and I loved it. Um, and um, and I, I started in learning and development um, back at, I think I was the last group of people who were able to do L&D and then HR without having a formal qualification in it. Now, if you don't have, a C, have the CIPD, you're not getting into HR, right? You've got to be qualified. Yeah. Um, and I think I was that last generation, that last wave of people who were able to get in there before there was ever a formal qualification. Um, and so I ended up doing learning and development for Selfridges and then went to Sainsbury's to do an HR role, uh, a what they call the PTM, a personnel and training manager. Um, and um, and loved it and, and loved the fact that um, I got to influence people and make change to people's lives and their careers on a one-on-one basis, which I, I just adored. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I then um, left Selfridges to go to Sainsbury's and then left Sainsbury's to go to Australia and decided I was going to go and take a... Um, I saw four, five, seven visa. So you go out there for a couple of years. Actually, no, I didn't go on a four, five, seven visa. I went on a holiday visa, working holiday visa. And the idea was, you know, you do a bit of backpacking and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and yeah. go pick pick fruit and all that kind of stuff. Didn't do any of that. Went out with the sole focus of, I'm going to move to Australia. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get a sponsor to stay. Um, and I worked for um, a recruitment company called Hudson, who are now sadly defunct. Um, and, um, and they sponsored me. They gave me that four, five, seven visa. So I did L&D for them. I recruited for them for a while. Then I did L&D for them. And then um, since then, I've done a number of L&D and HR roles or L&D and talent acquisition roles, et cetera, et cetera. And now I'm at Montreal and I've, I've got the whole, whole, whole lot, HR, learning and development um, and talent acquisition all under one roof. And, and the title is an interesting one for me, Head of People and Culture. Yeah. I was going to ask, with when you started out in the industry what was your role like and what kind of things did you you do as a you know in HR and L&D and, and what was your role title at you know back mm. you know, in those times because now head of people and culture is, is quite a, a you know a normal thing but yeah 
and the interesting thing is it's it's normal now you get jobs through now but literally i started at, at montreal 18 months ago and it was still unusual 18 months ago um it's, it's interesting you say that because uh, you asked that question because when i started in hr for the first time proper at sainsbury's hmm. it was personnel personnel and training manager and so being a personnel manager meant it was basically numbers it was you know making people fill out the right forms it was all very process focused it was very reactive it was tactical rather than strategic um now the role that i do is very much about how do uh, the people in the business drive the strategy how does our hr policies how do our um people policies inform the strategy of the business how does it help us how do they help us grow um and um, achieve the goals that we want to achieve mm -hmm. which is a completely different focus for hr i think hr has a, a has a much greater influence on a business these days than it ever has done and it's only going to happen more and more and more we had a conversation earlier on kate where we talked about the fact that you know because of the current crisis, HR are very much at that table and helping to drive the decision making. And you're not going to get that genie back in the bottle, which for HR professionals is amazing. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, we were saying about the fact that it's become so important now and even more so, you know, businesses are starting to realise that with this COVID-19. Mm. And, um, and, you know, how COVID-19 has affected us, how mm. it's affected employers and employees. Um, and I just want to talk to you about the situation and, you know, both as us as a company, as Montreal Associates and also other companies as well. Um, with people working from home, our employees, um, we know that we've had a mixture of people that, you know, like myself, I've got a great setup at home. I've got, you know, a desk, a, a good chair. I've got a separate room. I only live with my partner, so I don't have children running around my, you know, or I don't, I don't live in a flat share. But for those that maybe aren't in as the quality setting that I am in, you know, there's been a lot of studies that have been done recently and a lot of people are really, really struggling that maybe haven't even ever struggled before with, you know, anxiety or mm -hmm. you know, depression. Um, and I wanted to bring up the, the, I found a stat from a study from L'Oreal showing that it says 43% of young people across the UK felt their anxiety levels have increased as a result of the crisis, with 32% saying they are overwhelmed by feelings of panic and anxiety on a daily basis. I'm not surprised by that stat at all. Yeah. Um, I think particularly for young people who, in, in today's society, young people have it really hard. Um, the idea of job security doesn't exist. Um, the idea of um, getting on the property ladder, it's not happening. Um, so for, for a lot of young people, I think their circumstances are pretty tenuous anyway. Um, we've seen in our own business, people who have moved from France, for example, to the UK, set up home, living in a flat share with two, three other people because it's all they can really afford to do um, at that age. And we're talking about 23, 24, 25, living in London. Suddenly, um, they are in a position where um, employers are asking people to take salary cuts, work shorter hours, um, which is a way for a business to sustain itself and makes total sense to do it. And they're still having to pay the same amount of rent 
we've not seen the rent holidays that other countries have, have given here in the UK. Um, and so it's meant that they are, are struggling and that already precarious situation they're in is made even more precarious. I'm a, a 45, soon to be 46 year old man who lives with his husband um, and we do pretty well and, and we're pretty stable and financially solvent. I'm panicking and I've been concerned and I've had worries about this. So if I'm going through that, how does somebody who's 23 deal with the same sorts of things? It's no surprise to me those stats at all. You but know, to go back to your earlier point though, even though people are in dramatically different circumstances and we can see it in our business, we've got some people working in a bedroom, yeah. some people have got home offices and a garden and everything's amazing. Um, it's a, it is a bit of a great leveler because we, we're all in this, we're all affected to some extent or another by these scenarios and I think that might be why businesses are a little bit more comfortable talking about mental well-being right now in this moment because everybody in the business is being impacted by that it's a shared experience that we can all relate to as a, an employer or someone like yourself who who is you know has the duty of care to make sure that our employees are, are well in terms of mental and physical um how do you how do you go about making sure that your employees are are well and and you know those both working those on furlough as well how how do you make sure that you know as an employer that you are there for your employee i think you it starts with recognizing how you would do this in the normal circumstances right so in normal circumstances i would be having those interactions with my guys 24 7 i'd be able to see them i would be thinking not just about the conversations we're having professionally but also the personal side conversations that we would have i would be looking at their body language all that kind of good stuff right that we do as a matter of course that means on a subconscious level i get that trigger that goes hold on something's wrong with bob and i need to interject i need to have that conversation so recognizing that first and foremost, how does it happen in the real world is important because that is what we want to engineer. And, and it's engineering those touch points, whether it is a team lunch, whether and a coffee morning. So some of the guys in, in our business are doing coffee mornings right now where there's a huddle of maybe six or seven of them and they get together once a week. And it's including people who are furloughed as well as those who are not furloughed. We do a team lunch once a week. Again, includes people who are furloughed, those who are not furloughed. We do a quiz on a regular basis every week or two last week they did um uh, an escape room an online escape room and again including those people fellow i missed it unfortunately i'm really jealous um, and and it's about using those things and those touch points um and making that mental note to check in what am i seeing here have they been available have they not been available um one of the conversations that i had with one of my team members this week i ended up saying to him I'm just interested because every time we've spoke over the last two or three weeks, it's been a very, it felt like a very formal conversation. Mm. It felt like you're presenting, this is what I've been doing, justifying my existence kind of thing. And I've not had any other stuff with you. Are you okay? What's going on? Um, and, you know, recognizing, as you said, that, that it might not be possible for him to have that authentic conversation while the people that he needs his game face on are right there behind him, you know? Um, and so saying, okay, I'm going to go for a walk next uh, uh, in two nights time. You go for a walk at the same time. Let's have that conversation over the phone and we'll walk together virtually and be able to have a bit more of an honest conversation about how we're feeling because we don't have our friends and family around us at that time. 
that's a great idea i think and and luckily we can now do that so yes I strongly encourage people that maybe are in that situation now that we can get out i mean speaking of majority of the european countries i think are at that stage now yeah um so yeah i think it was really difficult at the start but now we can have it's that got easier place. absolutely it's got a lot easier and i think we need to take advantage of that and i know a lot of people are, are worried and i think just encouraging just a bit of fresh air and, and being able to talk openly without someone over here is, mm. is, is a good good idea um to do and certainly for someone in your position in another company i think that's a great idea to make sure that you get the authentic you know response out of what you really really are caring for their their mental well-being making sure they're okay and you can't do that um, there's, there's obviously a time factor involved as well um and mercifully for us we were bringing in a tool called cube 19 that basically tracks people's performance through mm. the data and the metrics that they're entering into um, our database and where managers have done really well over the last couple of months is where they've gone okay i've got all that data so i can see whether or not somebody's performing so i don't need to have that conversation with them yeah. instead i'm going to use my catch-ups with them to do a sensitivity check how are you how are you feeling what's going on how are you managing your motivation how easy is it for you to be getting up every morning i'm struggling and i think that's the that's the key to it as well is that authenticity piece being able to say i'm finding this difficult are you finding this difficult yeah. too? And if a team leader or a manager is able to be authentic and open about how they're feeling, they're more likely to get an open and honest response from their team members. If I'm struggling to get people on email or you know, I'm trying to schedule those calls and those conversations and they're avoiding them, as I said, the team member that I spoke to this week, I'd not been getting any of the emotional stuff. I'd not been getting the usual sort of conversations that we would have. We started our conversation before we started recording today with a catch up and a chit chat for 10, 15 minutes, right? That's what happens normally. If people are diving straight into the facts figures and you're not getting that sense of the person behind it, that should be a question mark for you. What's going on? Why aren't they able to communicate emotionally right now? Um, do I need to, to have a conversation with them about it? So you're looking for triggers that you're not, um, uh, changes in behaviors and, and uh, changes in uh, the way they would ordinarily behave to give you a sign that something's not necessarily 100%. I was going to ask about how you'd been since lockdown. It's been, it's been really interesting because I train and talk about EQ 24-7. Um, I rolled out last year a well-being program that talked about all different aspects of well-being and mental well-being, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and interestingly enough, I have not been dealing very well consistently with my own mental well-being over the last, it's what, 12 weeks, I think, that we've been in lockdown. Yeah. Um, and initially, I go into um, hyperproductive mode and I just problem and the emotions get put in a box on the shelf and um and i don't really realize i'm doing it i kind of know it's happening in the background but i'm not really conscious of it and i don't i kind of ignore the whole thing and just crack on um and um two weeks ago two three weeks ago i kind of realized that this is actually having an impact on me that um i'm not doing the workouts that I'm supposed to be doing. I've got weights that sit there with dust on in the corner of that room over there and I've not touched them at all. And I'm not going out 
we were allowed to go out in the UK for an hour's exercise every day and I hadn't been doing it. In the first um, 10 weeks, I'd maybe been out of the house for a total of six hours. And that includes going to the shops. Um, I wasn't sleeping. Um, I wake up at three o'clock every morning. I go sit, uh, sit out on the couch for a few hours. I'm awake for a few hours and then I go back to bed for a couple of hours. And this was ongoing. This had been happening for the whole period of time that we've been on, on um, working from home. But I've been ignoring it. And it got to the point that this was a really emotional piece for me. And I, I, I actually felt like there was this lump in my chest that I needed to get out. I needed to have a good cry. Um, and, and I'm usually pretty stoic. I don't, I don't, I kind of brush it off. Um, and it got to the point that I couldn't do that anymore. And so I tried to do the meditation and I wrote about it and I wrote an article about it. And again, I tried to channel it through a, if this is how I'm feeling and I can be honest about how I'm feeling, then maybe other people will be able to be honest about how they're feeling too. And I can actually use this as a positive. And so I wrote this article and I put it on LinkedIn for that very reason so that the people around me could go, yeah, I recognize myself in that story and, um, and it's okay for us to talk about it. Um, so that's your long answer. Short answer is I'd not been doing very well at looking after myself. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, the theme for the Mental Health Awareness Week this year is kindness. I don't think I've been kind to myself. I don't think I'd said it's okay to feel shitty about this. It's okay to grieve about the fact that your life is on hold, your relationships are on hold, your friendships are on hold, your holidays are on hold. For some people, their careers are on hold, their very lives are on hold, you know, and it's okay for us to grieve that. Um, and I'd not been kind to myself. I'd set these expectations of working out, of writing every day. I was going to be super healthy. I was going to take this as an opportunity. And I'd not actually allowed myself to grieve instead. Mm. I'd just layered expectations of how I would cope. Um, and then fail to do that and beat myself up about it. For people who want to go and see the article, obviously go on to Matt's LinkedIn. But doing that sort of thing and, and being in, you know, putting it on a, on a public site like LinkedIn, where it's a very professional site and obviously everyone can see what your role is and, and you know, what you do. Do you think that was a, a good step and maybe other employers could do, do the same and it would encourage, I don't know whether you've had any response to that, that has um, you know, as a HR per, you know, person, if, if someone else in a company is struggling to get that, you know, connection or communication on an emotional level with their employees, do you think there's something that would be beneficial to do to share their own, you know, personal experiences? And I do. You, you cannot expect your team members to be honest and open and authentic with you if they feel like there is an expectation that they maintain that mask. Yeah. And for a lot of people right now, there is a case a sense of, I've got to show my worth. I've got to show I'm still working. I've got to show I'm still productive. I can't let the cracks show. I can't let people see that I'm struggling with this because then I could be on the chopping block. Um, and that's the worst situation for people to be in. So it starts with leaders being authentic leaders talking about their struggles nobody expects people to weather this storm without some emotional turmoil and if we're open and honest about that that then allows our team members to be open and honest as well i cannot help my team to um manage their mental and emotional well-being and therefore get the performance that i need from them right now unless i know about it and they're not going to tell me about it if they don't think i'm going through the same thing too yeah. So I think it is really important. And, and I wanted to put it in that 
open platform and, and quite a public platform because I, I want people to learn from it as well. I want people to see it's okay. The feedback that I've had from it has been great. I've had several people, many people actually, come back to me and say, thank you for saying what I was thinking. Thank you for articulating what I've been feeling, um, making me aware of that for myself. Um, and, and also what's been lovely is the amount of people just asking me the question, how are you? Are you okay? Um, because I don't get that very often. It's usually me asking that question. So it's been lovely personally as well. Yeah. And I think like you said, especially in people within your similar situation as job role, I think sometimes people think that you're almost superhuman, that you don't yeah. have feelings and that you're supposed to be up and, you know, perfect all day every day because otherwise if you're cracking then oh my god what would happen but you know for, for employers to understand that it's okay for our HR to reflect what we want to see because otherwise if they don't then how the hell are we going to be supposed to do that and get the emotional intelligence I think the challenge afterwards and you touched upon it in your original question um is what do we do with that afterwards yeah. there needs to be something that's done afterwards so um I'm now meditating on a regular basis. Um, I'm trying to get out of the house more. Um, I'm still being kind to myself. I'm still allowing myself that space, but I'm also doing things to target it and challenge it and make my, um, manage my stress better, manage my um, mental well-being better. And as a business, we also need to be doing that. So what are we doing as a business to support people and their mental well-being? That is, that's something that I think you need to address as well. It's not just have the conversation, get it out there, and then you don't yeah. have to do anything. You still need to support people and actively do stuff with them. Yeah, for sure. And I think also you mentioned about, I know obviously we're talking about that, but the communication side, I just wanted to go back on that from a different perspective um, and talk about um, teams that are having to work together, you know, whether it be a project or whether it be, you know, a typical team with a manager and, uh, you know, people underneath them um, that may not have ever necessarily worked remotely with their team before. Mm. Um, and now all of a sudden they've got to figure out how they communicate with their team um, in this environment. How do you think communication has changed? So the first part, I, I, th I think the, the technology aspect's great, right? We're having this face-to-face -face conversation. It's great. Um, and, and what I found interesting is that we've had this technology for a while. Yeah. This is not new by any stretch, but we just haven't used it. We've not capitalized on it. Now we are. Um, MS Teams and being able to just throw chat out there and answer conversations and get immediate answers through the chat feed is amazing. but one thing that I noticed for myself was that as I started that slight downward spiral and not feeling great, I just start to rely on the instant communication instead. And I stopped doing this kind of thing. Mm. And because this is um, more laborious and it takes more time and it's just easy for me to get a message and I don't have to expose myself, all that kind of that stuff as well. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think the challenge for us is to make sure as I said before, we're engineering what I call the water cooler effect um, where um, conversations that would ordinarily be had at the desk about personal stuff or conversations that we had in the kitchen um, uh, that might be work related or not. We're still allowing space for those to happen. And so engineering that and saying, okay, I'm going to use Teams chat. I'm going to make sure that I have a face-to-face -face conversation with that person on a regular basis, that I don't only rely on the quick and easy conversations um, via text because I recognize that that enables the bonds and it allows me to maintain those relationships and it allows me to um, check in on the mental and emotional well-being of the people that I'm speaking to. So I get 
from it. And that for me was the important learn for me was that I get that emotional response from other people. I feel connected again. I remember why I'm in this business and this specific business MA because I love the people. If I'm yes. not seeing them, it's hard for me to justify getting out of bed at 8.30 and, you know, getting to my desk 10 minutes later. Um, it's hard for me to justify that if I'm not having those connections. Yeah. And I've, I don't know about you, but I feel like the communication side of things has got almost better in a weird way in terms of the actual interaction that I have with maybe, you know, take example, the, our guys in Barcelona, where I wouldn't normally jump on a video call that we would normally just... Mm. Um, and to see their faces and actually communicate to an actual physical person um, makes it a lot better. And I think you get a lot more out of a visual conversation like we have on Teams. And like you said, just having chat set up where you can quickly send little messages or quickly ring someone, you know, on a video for five seconds, like you were, you yeah. know, in the office, like you said, just, you, you know, pop over to someone's pop, desk. Pop over to someone, you pop over on Teams and you give them a quick call. We've seen some interesting changes as well in that where our business has been quite siloed is too strong a word because what I really mean is divided by office. So London versus yeah. Barcelona. So not as micro as, as that. But um, what we're seeing now is team leaders reaching out to people in Barcelona, team leaders in Barcelona and having conversations over there that um, they would never have normally done because, well, if I'd have to do this with the person that would ordinarily have been sat next to me, why would I not also do it with the person who's in another city to me? Um, so it's changing those behaviours, which is amazing. I'm loving that. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of other companies are probably seeing that as well. Um, but I think uh, another thing that I wanted to talk about was the... Um, and funny enough, we had um, our own sales day yesterday and it was it was a really good way to engage everyone and, you know, have some fun and, and, and mix <coughs> together. Um, but I think, you know, especially at the start of this um, lockdown, it was really difficult with, you know, everything being so negative in terms of news and everything you saw, you know, whether you went on LinkedIn, it was everywhere. You went on your phone, there was pop-ups, you went on LinkedIn, there was pop-ups, there was communication via businesses that were negative, you know, obviously, you know, it's not a nice thing to be in. Um, and obviously productivity is probably going to have a knock-on effect because if you're constantly being fed negative news and you can't escape it, um, it's really difficult um, for anyone, I think. And I just think it would be good for us to talk about um, how we've, as a business, have tried to keep people productive. Um, and also about how you can actually track that. How do you actually know? How can you tell when you know your workforce is being productive or, or when it's not? And how, how to go about fixing that? Um, something that David, our... Um CEO and my boss did with me he's I've had this conversation we've talked about um I call it the emotional hangover which I know I do where you know I'm super productive I focus on the problem emotions go in the box on the shelf and then later I have to deal with them that's my emotional hangover and so I've talked about this with him before and I mentioned to him I'm getting my emotional hangover and I wrote the article and I think he read it and he came back to me and some really simple things he did just to refocus me um He's come back on the Friday and said, um, how's your week been? And, and let's focus it. Um, what's the big success for this week? 
And that's made me reflect and go, okay, so what have I achieved? That's, that's great, actually. Yeah, I've achieved this. I've managed to get this off my chest. This is a positive. He said, okay, what's the one thing you want to achieve next week? And again, it's given that focus. It's just something really simple, right? Yeah. Um, and it's just given me this focus. And I then employed that with my team. So I had the same conversations with them as a group um, on the following Wednesday and said, right, so what, what's the, the biggest thing you've achieved this last week? What's been amazing for you? And it's just focusing in on the positive. Um, and likewise, what are you going to do next week? And it's focused and it's galvanized them. And I think that that level of focus is just re was really simple touch. Um, but it's allowed people to focus on the positives. I think also, again, be kind to yourself. So it's about um, encouraging people to down on that information overload. My husband's terrible for it. He sits there with the TV on in the background. Um, he's American. He needs that noise in the background for him to focus. And he quite often would have the CNN YouTube channel on. Mm. and it's just this constant stream of negative news about yeah. trump about covid and you could see that this is having this negative impact on his well-being and his productivity um and um it constantly this barrage of negativity etc etc and i've said to him you need to stop you need to be good to yourself you've got to put that to one side you allow yourself an hour where you might go through and watch some news content and you might look at Facebook on periodic, um, periodically throughout the day, but it cannot be constant yeah. because that then has that negative impact on emotional well-being, mental well-being, productivity. Um, so for us, uh, uh, professionally, it's about that focus, but it's also about um, controlling that negative messaging internally. Um, we have... Um, we didn't do it immediately. I think we, I'm not going to say we dropped the ball because we had challenges to face and we dealt with those challenges. But it meant that while we were dealing with those challenges, we weren't necessarily nailing the communication piece. And it allowed that negative messaging to go behind the scenes where people are speculating and talking to one another and you end up with the rumor mill, um, you know, creating its uh, own truth. And so we had something we called huddles where we wanted to be able to speak to people directly we knew that when we did a town hall the message gets lost because there's 80 people on there they can't ask their own questions they're not showing the cameras so they're getting distracted they're going off and doing whatever and so david and i had huddles with six to seven people max we ran 12 of them over a three-week period we spoke to everybody in the business it was a one-on-one -on -one uh, almost like a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a very small group of people where they would get to ask us questions and we would give honest answers. It meant that they were all individually able to ask those questions. They were getting the same consistent message from the pair of us. Um, we made sure that the groupings were quite important. We deliberately had a couple of people at least from each team that was represented in that huddle mm -hmm. so that there wasn't one person who would then run away and go well I've just heard this and this is my take on the message again we were making sure that there was a couple of people from that team who could go well hold on that I didn't quite hear it that way I heard it this way so we we're getting greater control of that message and we've committed to doing them every six weeks so we're about to do another round um and we wanted to make to maintain that message and control that message and make sure that we were able to get a real honest message and where possible a more positive message across and that for me was very important yeah off the back of that we could then 
ask for that productivity, be quite clear around what expectations were, use Cube 19 to be able to measure it. Um, and so we're managing that productivity piece behind it. But the sales day is a good example of where we've driven that to. What we've done internally with the Friday company calls, um, where we you know, wanted to do something that was positive, but focused on what have we achieved as a mm. company. Um, and I think that really, really helps um, all of us to really get together and, um, you know, showcase where we can the people that have done an amazing job this week and every week it's different. I think it does a really good job of reminding people that it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah, for sure. And we have a great laugh on there, you know, there's banter. Yeah, the banter. Everything. Oh my the goodness, banter, the competition. The competition. <laughs> but that's another great thing about it that comes out of it is the competition. So there's, for, you know, companies like us in recruitment or in you know in a sales environment the competition healthy competition is always great and it helps with the productivity side 100 percent um and i think like you said the sales day that we did yesterday where you know we had um you know the team photos and getting different teams together that's another thing that was a really good idea that i think that came out of that um sales day was that different people were actually put together in a team so they were working with different people um and I think that really helps, um, you know, get lift the spirits, but as a result of lifting spirits, mm. really get that motivation and a bit of healthy competition, you know, putting on something. And again, it shows people that it is possible, yeah. that they can be productive and they can be achieving and that, you know, while market conditions are interesting um, and, you know, there's this, this speculation about what's going to happen and where we're going to go, you can still achieve today in the moment. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think the takeaways from that really is the what have you achieved this this week and, and next week and maybe do that you know individually or on a company scale where you can celebrate achievements mm. and, and look forward to what's what's coming next um and also do like you said i think it's really important to have that um open and you know available communication like you said with the small huddles if you've got you know yeah. large teams i think that's really important that everyone can have their voice heard because a lot of people like you know in the the company calls we schedule people if they have something they want to celebrate we put it in but it's really difficult to have ad hoc conversations on you know a group of 100 people it's just not yeah. so having that balance of getting everyone together and celebrating things but also having that intimate conversation and you like you said the one-to-ones with your manager or just small groups is also um you know really good and and they all had the same questions yeah and and you know for people who don't know montreal a good 60 to 65 70 percent of our people are french they have no fear when it comes to asking very direct questions yeah. of their seniors <laughs> um and you know we answered them we were honest yeah. um so yeah, it was it was very powerful, I think. So as we were talking about productivity and the fact that you can do that in this remote setting and, and encourage people, engage people, what do you think life is going to be like for employees and, and, and businesses and companies moving forward after COVID-19 has gone with, with the flexible situation? you know flexible working situation um you know most of us other than the key workers like nhs and transport workers most of us have you know most companies have been able to move their their workforce remotely and so now that sort of excuse of you can't do what you can do from home is now going to be well we've been doing it for three months now so how do you see flexible working as a whole changing after this 
Um, I remember having a conversation with David two days before we went on lockdown. So we went on lockdown on the 16th of March, the Monday, so a little bit earlier than a lot of other companies. And I, I'm glad we got that jump start on it, to be honest. Yeah. I think we were a bit, a bit, bit better prepared. Um, and I said to him at that point, you will never get the genie back in the bottle. Um, people will expect this. If this works, if we, if, if we can get what we need out of, the, of people while they're working remotely, you will have this as an expectation going forward. Um, so I knew then that this was the start of something great as far as flexible working is concerned. Um, so I don't think that will change. And I think from my own perspective, I've often said that, you know, HR, it's a people facing role. I don't think I could be out of the office more than a day a week tops. Well, that's a nonsense because I support Barcelona and London and I'm not in both locations for four days a week. Um, and actually, I'm supporting the business without being in either location right now. So it's a nonsense, right? So we know that that's the case. And I think the demand for flexible working will still be there. I think um, employees joining a business are now going to want to ask that question. What is the opportunity for flexibility? It's not suitable for everybody. Not everybody wants it. So some people really do not like it. And we've had incidences of people who've been working for us going, this is not working for me. I'm not productive. I riff off the people around me. I need to ha have that uh, interaction. This is not suiting me very well. So we know it doesn't exist for everybody. I think the more interesting question almost, and, and certainly the more interesting learn for me over the last few months is about what this means for us from a hiring perspective going forward, yeah. not from employees, but from an employer's perspective. Um, it's going to mean employers having to question what they're looking for in an employee. The need for somebody to be self-motivated, self-driven, um, able to manage their own workload without necessarily having that person sat on their shoulder becomes paramount. So, if we if we know that we're gonna change our business up and work in a more agile way if we know that we're going to be limiting numbers of people in the office for the foreseeable future if we know that we're gonna see this as an opportunity for us um even on a very basic level a cost-cutting exercise right if we don't need the office space then this is a great opportunity for us as a business this then means that we need to think about who we bring into the business and that actually that person who really needs that support 24-7, needs people around them 24-7, might not necessarily work in a business that's more agile. Yeah, for sure. What I'd love it to mean as well, though, um, particularly where we as a business have reduced hours um, and we've seen people who are still maintaining levels of productivity in some areas um, over those reduced hours. I'm excited to see what it means for part-time working i'm excited to see what it means for job sharing um which is something that i remember talking about when i was a recruiter back in 2007 i think it was god i feel ancient 2005 um uh and yet really hasn't come to fruition right you don't hear much about job sharing at the moment well actually if we allow people to work from anywhere and we've got ways of managing and ways of maintaining relationships does that allow a greater degree of flexibility as far as part-time work is concerned from a hr perspective and from you as a head of people and culture what do you be now moving forward have you seen priorities change and do you think other companies will have a, a bigger focus on on areas that they may not have focused on before yeah i think there is a a shift in in priorities um 
it's it's interesting that we have taken onboarding for example for granted um historically and it's also meant that it's limited remote working so um if somebody says um you know i want to work from home uh, 24 7 we've initially had to say well that's that's fine but we probably won't be able to onboard you we won't be able to train you your manager won't have that contact with you we need you in situ for six months before you can then work remotely and in previous businesses i've worked at where we've allowed this we've said that very thing you must work in the office for the first six months and then you can work remotely um this is a, this is a major shake-up if this is the new normal we need to get to grips with the idea that managers are going to have to onboard and train and develop their people alongside learning and development remotely how are we going to make that happen um it's not just about um training them and making sure that they're up to speed it's about connecting them with the business so i was talking to Krisha, who is um uh, head of uh, projects and transformation projects here um in london and she was saying that one of the things that she loved um, and she works part-time for us one of the things that she loved was that being in the office meant that she made relationships with people that she would never have a reason to talk to professionally in her role so she made friends with Abdul who is um uh, um, one of our financial directors um, she made um, uh, friends with uh, Whistle who works in pay and bill um, she made friends with Val um, these are people that she would never normally come across on a day-to-day -day, uh, while doing her job and yet she's built these friendships and these relationships with them and that's the sort of thing that keeps people locked into a business right so people stay with an organization because of the people they're connected to and the relationships they have and the culture of that organization how do we create and maintain that culture how do we maintain those connections how do we foster those relationships across our business when everybody sits at home and works remotely there are things we can do and we've already started to talk about those things. Krisha already does coffee mornings with those people. We talked about this a little bit earlier. So how do we engineer those so that we're setting up clusters of people who are having relationships, who are having conversations, who are um, fostering those relationships that fall outside of the professional piece? And how do I then bring in that new person and plug them into those groups so that they too are fostering relationships with people that they would never normally come across on a day-to-day -day basis? Mm. that's the challenge i think for hr and um, that's the challenge for me certainly as as people and culture is how do we continue to foster the culture that we've got in an organization where people will have less physical contact yeah it's a good one to know and it would be good to know what you think about the changes or what companies might implement from a well-being and a mental health perspective and, and you know the same as what you were saying in uh, mm. how you foster you know the connections between different people I think it starts with the focus on it. I think the focus on mental well-being needs to be greater than it has been. Um, we did some good stuff last year. We spent um, a, a six-month program. Most companies will do a week, two weeks, a year. You know, let's talk, talk about mental well-being. It's mental well-being month. We did six months of well-being, which was great. Even then, that's, that's still, we could turn the volume up on that. It needs to be a regular conversation that managers are having with their team members. It needs to be something that they're, consciously checking in on um on a regular basis with their team members um and i don't think we do that enough we, we're starting to turn the dial on that we've got things like um the meditation sessions we do meditation three times a week um 
it's got to the point where I did one this morning and it's not the day to do it. So, you know, um, so I'm starting to focus on a personal note, but we do it as a group. So it's out there for everybody to do. Sometimes it's me on my own. Sometimes it's three of us. It's been as many as 10. Um, we've had people join the group and then leave the group because they do it themselves. They've been inspired and they now do it themselves every day, um, which is amazing. Um, so there are little things you can do, but it's about engineering it again. It's, it's, it's a, about a conscious decision to do something on a regular basis and to maintain that focus on it. And, and that's something that I think needs to change going forward for many businesses, ourselves included. Yeah. And how do you think, and you know, I might, this might be a really difficult question, but for those companies that maybe haven't ever done something that we've done where they've done the six month program, they've done stuff before. <clears> and now obviously we're looking to do that sort of a continuous thing. It's not, you know, a, 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 it's not a limited thing it's a endless thing it should be you know every day a priority um what would you recommend or what would you suggest as advice for a business maybe you know maybe it's smaller businesses that maybe haven't even thought about that before and maybe not have had the the experience like you have had um what can they do or what can they you know start doing um to help get that momentum i guess are groups um, to join. There are uh, groups on LinkedIn you can join that focus on well-being. There's loads of information out there online. There are lots of small boutique organisations like the one we worked with. We worked with Jen Christie, who is somebody that I've worked with in the past as a recruiter. Um, who um, have a small business they're flexible they're nimble she can come in and talk to you about specific things that she can do for your organization there are lots of organizations like they're out there that you can access um a lot of people are going to be doing this for the first time there's no shame in that and we're all kind of learning this together i'm no expert either i'm learning on the job as i go as much as anybody else is i think the first thing companies need to do is raise it on their agenda push it further up on their agenda I think what we'll do as well with the things that you just said literally now maybe worth us putting a couple of links to or suggestions on on some of the things you just mentioned that would be useful I think. Yep. Uh, on that note thank you very much for joining us today my pleasure and i think